You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. Five, four, three, two, one, and we are recording. Dr. Atwater, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing really great. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And I'm really excited. Finally, we've had a little trouble uh, communicating back and forth about uh, you know our scheduling and everything else. We had, I went, we had all those different issues, but I'm so happy that you're on my season two. So again, thank you so much. And I have to say thank you to Joanne DiMaggio for the connecting us together. Oh, uh, soul. Yes. Yeah. Love her. Uh, had love her on the show. Yeah. I had her on the show too, as well. And uh, we had a great conversation. She's, but she said, you know what, you knew you need to have on your show. You need to have, <laughs> you need to have Dr. Atwater. Oh, that was so kind of her. This lady is going to talk about near-death experiences, and she is the leading researcher. And I said, are you kidding me? I want to have a person like that on my show. My, my, my people will love this, and I love topics like this. Now, how did you become a researcher in near-death experiences? I died. Wow. I died three times in three months. In 1977, I was raped um became pregnant a miscarried and then it was all of the problems from the miscarriage that caused all my deaths death number one was january two death number two was january four death number three was march 29 and later that fall i had three major relapses uh i had to relearn how to crawl how to stand, um, how to walk, run, climb stairs, tell the difference between left and right, see properly, hear properly. Um, and during very dark times, what kept me going was to simply chant, God is, God is, because I knew God is. Yeah. And I kept that chant going. And in my third near-death experience, there was a voice that spoke. No, it wasn't like an angel or, a, a, you know, an archangel or, you know, it wasn't anything like that. I, I know those kinds of voices, wasn't like that. It, it was a voice so big. It's, it's like it, it, it owned and covered and, and ruled the universe. Wow. So I called it the voice like none other because I didn't know what else to call it. That makes sense. And that voice said, and I quote, test revelation. You are to do the research. One book for each death. Wow. Uh, it did not explain how to do this. But since I was a cop's kid raised in a police station, I used police investigative techniques as my protocol. Um, uh, book one was not named. I really think Coming Back to Life, my first major book, was book one, but I don't know. Book two was named. That was Future Memory. Okay. Um, that is the only book in existence that, that is not a book. It is a labyrinth. Every sentence, every page is part of the math I use to create the labyrinth. I mean, it's a real labyrinth 
when you start reading the book, you stay on the path and the path will go around like a labyrinth does and then bring you to the center. The purpose of the labyrinth is to bring your mind up to the next highest level of consciousness possible for you at that time. The okay. book is a brain changer. So that's future memory. This, the third book also was named A Manual for Developing Humans. You know, a thousand years ago or so, um, of the sound hue was the sound of God. So human was God man. Um, so the book is dedicated to all humans and it, it is to help you be who you are. I mean, how many of us in the first grade or second grade or third grade ever learned how to be a human? So the, 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 that's what the book is for. And it's, it's not like any other manual you've ever read in your life. There are thought form drawings in it. Uh, the first part is dedicated to doing what I um, recommend all near-death experiencers do. And afterward, relearn how to think and how to speak. Because you're different afterward. And you really need those skills. And that's how the book, the manual begins. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, it sounds beautiful. Now, have you written 18 books? That's 18 or 19 yeah, books now? 18. I'm on my 19th now. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So congratulations on that. Now, one of the things I know everybody, you must get this asked this a lot. So like everybody goes, okay, so what happens when we die? You must get that a million times. Like, okay. So like literally, is it based on individuals um accounts like if i had a dear death experience would it be different than yours just based on individuality oh, possibly possibly yeah. um near-death experiences um how do i explain this okay let me do let me do the official okay the near-death experience is an intense awareness sense or experience of otherworldliness, whether pleasant or unpleasant, that happens to people who are at the edge of death. It is such magnitude that most ex experiencers are deeply affected, many to the point of making significant changes afterward. Now, what we know medically, when you're dead, you can still have out-of-body experiences. You can still have clear, enhanced consciousness. You can still have self-identity with emotions. You can still have cognition and thought perception. You can still have full use of faculties and intact memories. Wow. So, you know, when you're talking about the near-death experience, we now know that that phenomenon enables us to go beyond what people normally would and to literally experience death and dying 
or at least get a good taste of it or a good idea of what it is. Okay. And you come back, I would say about 97%. <laughs> That's a big one. Come back knowing that God is. Wow. Forget belief. Forget belief. You just, it's like Forget a no. You know. You just know. It's you just, know. it's an understanding now. It's like, it's, it's, you're downloaded. You got, you have like returning back to it. Now, I have a question about the near death experience versus the outer body experiences. Yes. Okay. So, during a near-death experience, the, usually the body has a form of trauma to cause the, is it the life force to stop flowing to it, to allow the soul to release? And what is the life force still attached to the body to allow the physical, uh, allow the soul to come back and to be reanimated? How does that work? <laughs> that was a very complicated. <laughs> I know. I'm like, my brain has been racking all day because I was trying to figure out how can I well, formulate let's this. Talk about out of body experiences. All right, let's do that. Let's break it down. Long before I died, I used to teach them. Okay. I used to teach people how to take out of body experiences. I was very good at it. Getting proof, being able to show, um, that I really was there, that I really saw what I saw, and other people, dozens, hundreds, thousands. I started Idaho's first, oh, by the way, I come from Idaho. Okay. I started Idaho's first nonprofit metaphysical corporation by the name of Inner Forum. We were working with people, um, we had a newsletter, we had classes, we had experiments. Um, I'd say easily over a span of maybe seven years, 3,000 people. Wow. Um, so I wasn't new to any of, the, any of this, i.e. what um, the other side is like, what metaphysics and, and, and the spiritual is like, the esoteric. Um, I'd, I'd been dabbling in this since a child, uh, born with memory. I knew my mother wasn't my mother. She was in my daughter back in France. I refused <laughs> to accept her um, uh, uh, criticism. So <laughs> that caused a little problem, mother-daughter. Sure. Uh, so we, we won't get into that. But just know that I, 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 I was very much involved with what we call metaphysics or out-of-body experiences or uh, spiritual experiences. Okay. Uh, so when I died, it took all of that and ripped it away. Really? I mean, ripped it away, all gone. Uh, literally the only thing I could do uh, that made any sense, and sometimes that didn't even make sense, um what was eat you know use the bathroom uh try to identify what a sheet is what a soap is i had to relearn i had to relearn everything from the beginning including crawling wow standing uh, i used to teach meditation i had to learn that all over again i'd learn everything so it's, a, it's almost like you got, you got wiped out. It's like everything that you've learned 
basically gets wiped out when you had that experience. Well, so like the neurological patterns. Now, do you find that with most people that have the same experience? Do they kind of have that neurological wipeout where it's like there's maybe the clean about, slate? No, maybe about 19 to 20% will have a complete wipeout like I did. Uh, but easily, uh, most of them will go through something similar in the sense that um, they're just so hit or um, facing um, a world that they that that no longer works the way they thought it did. They come back very different. They come back with a pattern of physiological and psychological after effects. So we're not just talking about someone who died. Okay, what is what what is life like on the other side of death? Fooey. You come back completely or or nearly so different. Okay. And it's that difference that can be very confusing. A lot of people have problems integrating their experience because they don't know how to handle the after effects. Yeah. I've heard that so many times when I was doing my research and background, like a lot of people have a hard time integrating that, especially when they have such a profound right. experiences. Like you said, like if you had the, the presence of, of the one source, God, however you want to call it, and you have that experience, like we try to articulate it with our little small monkey brains that we have here, but something that profound, how do you like, how would you just kind of say, well, okay, I died, but I don't even know how to describe it. But I know a lot of people describe it by lights and lights and images, like some type of bright light. Is that a lot of the cases too as well? Is is it always the, the bright light well, that shows know, up? Then the children come, come along and they talk about a dark light. Really? So we have dark light. We have bright light. We have a raw, powerful light. So basically there are three lights. Okay. Um. And, and we know this from children's accounts, also adults. Um, the, the children, I mean, I'm going to use children. Uh, they will describe this raw, piercing, powerful light, but it doesn't have any special color. Then they'll describe this dark or black light. Sometimes it has purple tinges to it. And there's something very warm and healing and loving about this light. Okay. And then there's this bright or white light. Sometimes it has this gold or silver in it. And this light um, um, knows you. It knows your name. You can converse with it. Um, there's something very cozy about this light, too, but very, very bright about this light. So I asked the kids, you know, <laughs> I, I, I love working with kids. Um, and they said, well, that white light, that bright light, that's father light. And that black or dark light, that's mother light. And that raw piercing light that, that's stronger than 10,000 suns. Well, that's God's light. Interesting. And you know that father light and mother light come from God's light. And the kids, 
I mean, they put that so beautifully. Yeah, they have no filters. Like that's the great thing about kids. They say it like they see it, like they say it. It's not like they have years and years of programming in them. They're going to say, this is what I saw. This is what it is. This is how amazing it is. Now, as far as the children go, do they have a hard time integrating back into reality? I guess this 3D reality? Depends on the age. Depends on the age. Okay. Um, Most children... um, if they're older, children can handle it pretty well, but the younger children have real problems with it, especially from birth to the age of five years. And that's my latest study, uh, The Forever Angels. Everybody get the book, The Forever Angels. It will shock you. It will surprise you. It will t- turn your thinking upside down um because those that are born between birth and the age of five are not like other near-death experiences experiences they're in a class of their own so why is that well they they they've never they've never had it before okay they have no way to compare so they're extremely different it takes the average adult seven to 10 years to integrate their experience takes the average child 20 to 40 years a child compensates they don't integrate okay that's the difference all right yeah sorry i was just gonna say okay i needed to find out why the the big difference is that so now one of the things i've always been interested in too as well is to understand why certain people have near-death experiences now, obviously, I've, I've had a lot of mis- metaphysical people on the show, and we talked about, you know, planning this, that somehow we plan this pre-planned some of these exit times prior to incarnated to experience this, or some people would like to call a, uh, a reawakening or re-remembering where you are. It's almost like you got lost and you needed this experience to kind of re-wake you up to who you really were. A few people talk like that. Most yeah. don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They just say, wow, <laughs> here it is. You know, I had to deal with it and deal with the after effects. Okay. So let's talk about some of the after effects too, because I think that's very curious too as well. So let's talk about the, like, we'll break it down into like physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. So what physically happens to an individual? We'll, come, we'll work with adults for, for most people, because that's more of my audience. But let's say what happens physically? What are the physiological changes that happen with the individual like you maybe even talk it's about- a lot easier to break it down to psychological and physiological. Okay, perfect. Let's do that then. So the, um, the psychological, most of them come back, um, a lot of them with the ability to heal. Um, they come back certainly knowing God, the other side, um, that introduction to other levels on the other side, uh, other ways of being. Um, Many of them become healers. Um, Many of them become ministers. Um, Some of them even start their own churches. Um, they're very much into healing and helping and doing everything they can to make life easier 
uh, and more helpful to everybody else. Um, they're very, very much on that kind of, of reality or that kind of trip that, uh, um, that, that they will, um, they want to bring more spirituality into the world. Okay. Um, about a third will stay with the church of their choice. Two thirds leave the church. And, um, you know, um, um, that idea of a, of a more spiritual way of life. Now, the physio physiological after effects uh, hit, hit us all. Um, and, and, and that is, uh, um, how do I put this into, a, into words easily? Um, brain structure changes. Okay. So we're talking about the brain element. We're not talking spirituality here. We're talking brain. Um, and, and that alters. Uh, so does the, um, let's see, how else would I put this? So does the nervous system, the digestive system, and skin sensitivity. Okay. So we're talking about um, dealing with really solid physiological changes. Many, many be, become electrical sensitives. I'm one of them. Uh, I'd say about 60% come back electrical sensitives. Okay, wow. Um, this idea, idea of, of, of how you handle the family and other people afterward, of, of clearly between 70 to 80% of the adults divorce within 10 years, within seven to 10 years. Wow. Um, so we have an extremely high divorce rate uh, because, well, really, let's face it. When you're a near-death experiencer, every woman you see is your mother, your daughter, your aunt, your, uh, that part of you. Every man that you see is, is your husband, your father, your brother, your uncle. Um, and, and, and you're just so full of love with, for everybody. And, 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 and you just love them all and want to be a part of them all because you know you are, that, that you're very forward with that loving friendliness. Well, with your mate, they look at that and say, well, wait, wait a minute here, you're flirting. And they cannot understand the near-death experiencer's openness and the near-death experiencer cannot understand their closeness. Yeah. Uh, let me give you an example of, of, yeah, please do. of my daughter. Uh, this is me, my daughter, Natalie. Uh, about a year after my experience, remember we come from we're Idaho. So we're, we're plain speakers. We get right to the point. We don't fool around. So Natalie came to me one day in the kitchen, she put out her pointer finger, said, well, you're friendlier now than you used to be. And I like talking to you. And, you know, we spent years and years searching for that woman. Woman never did find her. 
And so Natalie finally had to make peace with this very different person called mom that isn't like mom at all. Wow. Um, so yes, this is a very definitive. Um, you know, your, your, your children want that sense of belonging. Yeah, okay. Well, afterward, every child is part of you. Your husband or your wife wants to be privy. Well, afterward, everybody's privy. It's like you, it's almost like, it's like you popped open that cork and then that love just like, I mean, you, you, you've experienced it firsthand. You remembered what that was. And then finally, now you, you now just kind of that experience basically popped the cork and it's just like the heart is open and this is what it's all about. And I think I can understand why people want to heal. They want to be ministers. They want to talk about, you know, love God and, and, and just be a loving human being. Like, I mean, it's, it's so fascinating. Have you done any um, brain scans on people? Have you actually I, did? I have not. No. Yeah. Um, I, I cannot speak to others. Uh, I've heard of some brain scans done, but very few. Uh, we haven't gone that much uh, um, into doing that because we don't have the funds yet to do it. I'm sure Bruce Grayson and Kenneth Ring and some of the other um, uh, people would like to do that, but so far it has not been done. Okay. Yeah, because that would be such a fascinating thing to kind of, you know, you have a, a normal human's brain and then you have somebody who who's crossed over and had that experience to see where the physiological changes in the neural pathways in something. Well, they may not be able to handle it. Uh, oh, okay, that's I true. I can't get anywhere near one of those machines. I can get uh, in a hospital setting. I can get within two rooms of one. And then the pain is so great, I have to run. I, I, I cannot even be uh, near one of those imaging machines. Okay. It, now, the part of your research, have you figured out why there was such a, a sensitivity to uh, electromagnetism and electricity in general? It's just because of the, just the, the change is so deep within the, the nervous system and the brain that it just, it just cannot handle that. Type I suspect of... that's true. No, I haven't done, uh, um, I haven't carried it that far into really doing the medical, but I suspect that, that what you're thinking is true. Okay. Yeah. It's just oh, science. So fascinating. Well, your whole system is different. Of course. You know, I can't handle that stuff. Now, is there anything else you can't handle? I know you said about some about food too. Now your food change, uh, food uh, tastes have changed too. Yeah, as well. I can't handle. I, I can't handle hardly any sugar. Sugar, okay. Um, at all. Um, caffeine. Oh no. No. No, I can't handle that. Maybe uh, some can, but I cannot. Okay. Uh, I, I was one of those that was really <laughs> affected. So, uh, but I was born. Um allergic to tobacco and uh, liquor. Interesting. I was born that way. So uh, after my near-death experience, I've become much, much more sensitive. So I'm, I'm careful. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, what about me- enough about the earth? <laughs> yeah. Now, what about medications too, as well? Are you like? Oh, that's whoa, 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 whoa. That's a big, big, big one. We now have have ongoing research being done in the medical field concerning that John Hopkins Hospital. Yes. Um, most near-death experiencers cannot handle normal um, uh, pharmaceuticals. Children can't hardly handle it at all. And, and the big one with children is the average child is medicated according to weight and age. Okay. How many doctors asked, did they have a near-death experience? So that's a real big one, because if you had a near-death experience, you cannot handle the average pharmaceuticals. Yeah, that would be really interesting to, to yeah, understand why. Gross. I mean, I, I the pharmacies, I mean, modern medicine has been great, but sometimes I think a lot of times too, as well, like just the, the drugs itself are, could be so well, A lot of them turn to homeopathy. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yeah, uh, and more natural feelings. Have you had many doctors that have ne- uh, near-death experiences? Have you? Uh, well, re- we're getting more and more and more. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, we are. And uh, so, so yes. what are they saying? So what? Are, I mean, they must be their their logical mind must be just blown. Like it is. <laughs> They're just like the rest of us. <laughs> They're just like the rest of us. Yeah. So obviously they're trying to like, you know, in their rational brain, their analytical mind, trying to rationalize what happened. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> and you just said, there's this, it's okay, honey, just relax. We got you. This is what's happening. You know, well, they've written some wonderful books. They give some wonderful talks and that's, you know, that's really great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, so- you know, the, the international association for near death studies, which is IANDS, I A N D S. Um, the, the, um, they work a lot with physicians who've had near-death experiences and have had them at their conferences and uh, work a lot with them. So, so we have ongoing work and research in that area right now. Okay. And it's, 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 it's very exciting. Yeah. I, so, you know, get, get on IANDS. It's um, their website is www.iands.org. Yeah. Okay. And find out what they're doing. Fun, wonderful things. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so good when we, you know, finally there's that where modern medicine and spirituality can combine together to work together to create this harmony. I think those two bases could really change society in general and the healthcare profession. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Now, are there big differences, like you know, between a- adults and children when they had their experiences? I know in adults, sometimes they've described where they visit, they had loved ones to kind of show up and kind of you know meet them at the called the gates or the lights. Now, with children, again, is it based? Do they have the same type of experiences too, as well? Uh, basically. Sometimes a little different, but basically it's, it's the same. However, uh, with children, if they're met by this, you know, inc- incredibly loving father, father type figure, 
a child will go up and say, is that what you really look like? <laughs> and immediately this father figure goes poof. And, and here just this incredibly big light. And, and the same way with angels. A little kid will go up and say, is that what you really look like? And again, we have this big, big poof, this great light. So the, the kids are usually, usually right to the point where an adult will go, oh, but a kid will go, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, kids get right to the point with this kind of thing. Um, but, you know, you're often, often met by loved ones. Um, but the loved ones you did not know. Really? You did not know. In my case, that's true. I met a grandfather. I had no way to know what he looked like or uh, anything about him. So he came up and introduced himself to me. And um, it, 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 it was just like a real wow. It's like, well, I didn't, I didn't know what you were, what you were like. Wow. Um, so, and sometimes we have these embarrassing, very embarrassing things that happen where a child finds out who their real mother or real father is or vice versa. Interesting. Um, yeah, <laughs> very often secrets are revealed. Wow. Yeah, and guess... they're met a lot by birds and animals. Okay, is there a reason for that or is... Um... Uh, usually it's pets who've died and gone on before, but often with kids and adults too, you're met by birds, lots and lots of birds. And I don't know why. I have no idea why. Uh, the kids enjoy it thoroughly. They love all the birds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there could be so many reasons. I mean, the symbology of birds, you know, being free and be able to fly. I mean, the uh, doves with love. And then, I mean, just having, I mean, a sense of you know, a connectedness to, because, you know, I guess, you know, uh, emotionally or psycho uh, psychologically, when you have that experience, sometimes you don't realize that you're dead. Uh, I've heard oh, that people. That's very true. Very yeah. true. Very yeah. true. So do, how do people react when they come back? Do you have a lot of people go into depression when they come back from a near-death experience? We have a lot of depression afterward. Yeah. Uh, later on, because it's really tough getting back to the job, getting back to the family, getting back to the lifestyle, getting back to school. Um, so you can go through periods of depression. Yes, indeed. So um, it's not easy. Yeah. I, you know, when I say it's not easy, I, I'm also, I'm also acknowledging that it's wonderful, <sighs> but, but it's difficult, both at the same time. And, you know, wonderful, but, you know, um, how do you handle the job afterward? Yeah, I mean. Uh, how do you handle driving a car? Um, how do you handle clothes and groceries? Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's not. In my case, it was it was not easy. I mean, I had to re-identify everything because I didn't know what it was. 
soap, sheets, pots and pans. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be a real surprise. It can be a real shock. It can be fun. Uh, um, it depends. It really depends, eh? Yeah. Now it can be really subjective in some ways and, and for a lot of individuals. Uh, and now do you find that their belief systems change too as well? You know, oh, yeah. obviously, yeah. Like to the, all of a sudden, like, like people who are atheists, all of a sudden, you know, okay. They, they're I've no longer met, an atheist. I've, I've only met one oh, really? that, that continued to be an atheist afterward. Only one. Really? Out of five, uh, out of uh, nearly 5,000 people. Wow. Is there any particular reason why they decided to become atheists or is it just something that they just, they're more of a denial stage? Then they just said, oh, that's not right. That's just not what happened. He just didn't want it. It was a man. He just did not want to accept the fact that, the, that there was any kind of God or any kind of higher power or higher authority or higher anything. Um, and he had, a, he had a lot of problems um, handling the after effects, by the way. It was, it was difficult for him. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that would be difficult. I mean, to have that experience. And then if you, if you're in so denial afterwards to, to try to, because I guess that would be one of the, I guess, a benefit of near death experiences is that connection to the divine, having that sense that, okay, even that sense of feeling loved and feeling oh, loved, yeah. like, and having that, like, know that you finally, cause so many of us in our daily lives, you know, um, kind of go around not feeling loved and i think that's one of the problems that we face these around this world is a lot of people just not feeling loved anymore yeah. but sometimes i've heard like when that near-death experience has they realize that they were so loved and by still, so and, many and by so are. many people yeah and still are yeah and, yeah and just having that knowing that and would be a really amazing thing to realize that most people that you're you know you don't have to have a near-death experience yeah. to feel loved it is all around you. And uh, it's, it's just it's an amazing thing to kind of just grasp onto and hold and understand. You can realize that all of that is real. God is real. Prayer is real. The spiritual is real. The other side is real. That, uh, the, the, that's no fairy story. It really is real. Yeah. And, and our challenge is to bring that into our life, into our world, and somehow um, live it. Okay. And, and what I find is that um, when I'm disappointed or when I'm angry or... Um, when it seems like it's not working, all I have to do is stop, plant my feet on the floor, put my arms down, head up, take a big breath, hold it for a second, let it out, and swallow. And it's all back. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And that's true for anybody and everybody. Try it yourself and see what happens.
Yeah, I think that's, it sounds like a really good advice on that way. Uh, do you have advice for people who, you know, since you've had this experience, you've had all these years of researching this and seeing all these amazing stories and things happen with people. Do you, like, I mean, I know you've written a book, like how to be a manual for a human. What are some of the things you would tell people today to say, you know, I mean, I always say, just stop being an asshole. Like that's just an easy <laughs> thing to do. Just pretty simple stuff you know, love yourself, stop being an asshole. And there's some, do you have like some tips and tricks for people they're trying to, or on their paths and we just kind of, you know, could get some good sage advice. Well, look, I'm an author of a free monthly newsletter called, um, for the curious. Okay. So you can get on my website, www.pmhatwater.com. And then get over to the newsletter. There, there is an archive, so you can look back at the at the other issues and check them out. And especially go to the one in January, which is just done. Okay. And at the very end of that newsletter, there are workshops that I'm going to be having in February, March, and April of easy exercises that you can use and you can do. Um, the, way you, the way you decorate your home, each room in your home. Did you realize that, that, the, that the paintings and pictures you have on your wall is what you're praying for? You're looking yeah. at them all the time. It's what you're praying for. Take a look at that. I'm really going to have to take a look at that now because I'm looking, okay, this is pretty bare. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, in the manual, it teaches that. But I'm going to be teaching it at that, at that bookshop. Um, so it's easy, sometimes easier uh, uh, to go along with that if, if you've got, you know, someone that's teaching you. So um, get the January issue, find out about these workshops that I'm giving. Um, I have not written uh, a, a particular book that, you know, goes into the how-tos. Okay. But I am now starting to, to teach workshops about the how-tos for anybody and every, everybody. Works for everybody. And of course, the Manual for Developing Humans um, goes with the specifics of that as well. Okay. So, yeah. You bet You betcha. It's, it's available. Let's do it. All right. That's, that's good. And I'll, uh, for everybody's listening to the podcast, and if you're watching the two as well, I'll have all, um, all Dr. Waters' information on the bottom. So you can just scroll down, click. And then you can see all the amazing seminars, things and stuff like that. I'll have all that information. So don't stress like, okay, what did she said? Do I have to back up? I got you covered. Don't worry. We'll have all that information in the podcast. Um, now you've done seminars around the world too, as well. Haven't you? You've, you've traveled every, you've been on TV shows everywhere. Do you, has, is it always, <laughs> is it always the same questions you get? Do you always get the same questions? Like, where do we go? Sort of, but not necessarily. Yeah. A lot like, of people uh, want to know where, where you go. Uh, and it's different with different people, of course. Um, 
in my own research, I found for, for specific, specific kinds of near-death experiences. The first one I call the initial experience. It's in something like the friendly dark or the loving nothingness or a quick out-of-body experience. Uh, you can have a lot of after effects from that as well. But, a, you know, it's a very brief kind of experience. A lot of children have that, but so do adults. There's the unpleasant or hellish experience. Yes, some people have a hellish uh, type of episode. In my research, one out of seven. Oh, really? That. One out of seven. Uh, you have that heaven-like or pleasant near-death near experience. In my research base, about 48% had that. Uh, uh, um, less than 50%. And then the, um, some people have what I call the transcendent near-death near experience. And there's something about um, that experience. It's seldom, seldom ever, ever, ever personal. It has nothing to do with mom and dad are already dead, dead and that kind of thing. Rather, um, you're facing an assignment, a challenge that you need to do in this lifetime, or um, uh, you're learning about history and the way things work. Um, so that transcendent experience is very different. Um, you, you get the... Um, uh, you, 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 um, that sense of um, more personal in the unpleasant or the pleasant. Okay. But, but you don't get it that much with the in, initial experience. It's very quick and to the point. Or the fourth one, the transcendent experience that has, has more to do with what you can do to help humanity. Okay. Now with that uh, kind of awful experience, you know, from my understanding, it's, it's more like for a lot of people, it's like a, a life review of all the crazy or the stupid stuff that they did to other people. And they look yeah. at themselves and they can finally see this is how bad you were. Yeah. Yeah. So that's usually the experience is like, okay, this is how awful you were to all these different people throughout your life. And you're going to see this. And then it's that sense of like, okay, crap. Well, yeah. you get, you get to see a lot of things. Yeah. Um, maybe not what you did that was unpleasant, but all kinds of things that you, that you did. And you, you, you can reevaluate that and look at it. Um, let me give you, give you an experience here between heaven and hell. Yeah, please do. Uh, well, one time I went to a very large, large hall and um, I was giving a talk on the near-death experience and I was, you know, gave the full picture of the experience. And then when I was through, I asked people in the audience, anyone who has yet to talk about their experience, would they like to come up? And I would, I would, you know, lo love to have you share that with the audience. Two people came up. One was a man, oh, I'm going to guess his age, maybe 29, 30, 
the woman, woman was a little older, okay. maybe 35, 38 or so. And the man was first. And he described his experience. And it was beautiful. It was the most heavenly, beautiful, wonderful. There was hardly a dry eye in the place. It was so touching. Wow. And when the man was through, he shocked everybody and said, that was the worst thing that ever happened to him in his life. He wished he had, he had never had it. He his life was cursed because of that experience. Really? And then this woman jumped up and her experience was more hellish. She, she found herself being sucked down in this whirling uh, whirlpool. And there was gray and, and, and dark clouds and lightning. And, and it was just terrible. And she, she had to fight and fight and fight to get out of that whirlpool and get onto dry land or some kind of land and save herself. And when she was through, she also shocked everybody. And she said, that was the best thing that ever happened to her in her life, because it was proof to her that she could always save herself and find a solution. Wow. That is so, so profound. look at that. That is so I mean, I wrote about it in one of my books, because it, it's so uh, it's so encompassing that sometimes what we think is beautiful can can be difficult. And sometimes what we think is awful and hellish can actually be helpful and um, uh, and wonderful. So it, it depends on how people interpret them. Uh, it, it's, it's not 100% the same all over. I, I mean, a person in China, they have a near-death experience. Many of them with the out-of-body experience are very frightened by an out-of-body experience. I mean, to them, that's hellish. Okay. To leave their body is hellish. So it depends on where you are. One of the things I learned to do with different people in different parts of the world, and even in our own country and in Canada, I would say, draw me your experience. Draw a picture for me. And, and those people in Thailand that are met by Yamatuts, servants of the, of the Lord Yama, uh, uh, you know, the, the underworld, Lord Yama, their drawings were almost the same as a cowboy in Wyoming. Oh, really? Wow. It depends on your interpretation, you see. Okay. It depends on how you see what you saw. Wow. It, it, it it's it's the meaning 
here in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own life. So um, I had lots and lots of drawings. <laughs> yeah, now, are the drawings in your books too as well? Do you have a lot of the drawings? No, I have a uh, PowerPoint. It's called Glimpses of Beyond. And by the way, it's going to be uh, some of that is going to be shown this weekend in uh, Michigan. It's called the, the Coptic Fellowship. And uh, you want to get in on that, then very quickly get to that January newsletter and give you all the information on how to be a part of uh, glimpse, Glimpses of Beyond that I'm giving to the Coptic Fellowship. Um, January 9, I believe it's at 2.30 in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, but I, I presented a number of programs on these, these drawings. Uh, I had 40 drawings um, in people, uh, uh, with, with people in six countries that I did put together a program on their drawings. Wow. Yeah. That's so fascinating. I, this, this is an amazing subject and I am so happy that you're on the show today. Like this, I mean, all the books you've written, everything that you've done, everything you spoke about is just absolutely mind blowing. And uh, it really gave me a sense too of just near death experience and not to be afraid of the near death experience or even death itself to understand that it's just part of the transition. Part of our and passage. It's just part of our passage. And part of our passage is what we go through. Yeah, it's, it certainly was. And uh, for everybody who's listening to the podcast, I'll have all Dr. Atwater's information in the bottom. So you can, again, look at the, uh, get, check out our websites, the books you can find anywhere. We can find them on the Amazon and all that. Every, anywhere, anywhere. Everywhere too as well. So uh, definitely you can pick them up at, at your website too as well, right? We can pick them up there yeah. as well. All right. And uh, we'll have all that information in the description below. Uh, Dr. Atwater, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. So Dr. Atwater, I'm just going to close off the podcast here. So this has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now.